Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. Um, this morning, I'm going to be preaching on a subject. I'm gonna, it's going to be topical. It's not pulling, pulling right down a story, but I'm going to go from, I'm going to take you uh, into the old covenant, and we're going to move right into the new covenant. But you know what today is. For those of you that, that maybe, depending on your, on your background, uh, today is Pentecost Sunday. And for those of you that just heard Pentecost and freaked out, all right, just hang with me, all right? I was raised in a denominational background of Pentecost, and I'm very, very thankful for my heritage. I saw the good, I saw the bad, I saw the ugly. Uh, I'm not, it's nothing against any of that. It's just I saw it all. We've seen it. Over-emotionalism, we've seen, uh, but I've, saw, I've seen some legit, authentic, powerful, real, and God is, and he's, the way he would move in our services, and, and even here, we've seen that, and we've experienced that. It's been powerful and amazing, and I hope that the end, just like first service at the end, it'll be the same today. I'm believing that, I'm a little bit of ring back there, guys. I don't know, maybe it's a gain issue, but I'm believing that today that God is, is going to, you're going to experience him in a way that you've never experienced him, but uh, I, I want to come from a perspective of not just being raised in a background of that, well, so it's hard to separate what you were raised in. I don't know what your background is, but I'm asking you, I'm asking you, let's approach it scripturally, okay? Let me talk to you, scripturally speaking, about Pentecost. Let me talk to you about the power of what happened at Pentecost. That's the way I want to approach today, all right? So, I'm, I've prayed into this whole week, and prior to this, Holy Spirit, I'm praying that people come in and just, that they would just open their heart and be receptive to what you can do. That's all I'm, that's all I'm asking, all I'm praying over you today. Um, but being raised in a background in this, yes, uh, it's, 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 we saw a lot, we experienced a lot. Uh, I remember at the age of 10 that I was laying in my bed uh, on North Belmont Street here in Savannah, and I, my, my mom was here first service. She didn't even know this, but I was praying, God, don't let me, don't let me die tonight. I don't want to die. I haven't prayed in tongues. I haven't spoken in tongues yet. All right, now freak, don't freak out. That's not, that's not what I believe, all right? But that's how I, I did believe. And, and I'm taking you on a journey for myself. I'm, I'm being probably a little bit more transparent than I should, but when I grew up, that's, that's the way that, 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 I, that I was taught until... I got out of church for a period of time, and when I came back, I began to search. Pastor Philip challenged me often, don't take my word for it, read it. You got to experience it for yourself. And so just in, as in everything, this is personal between you and the Lord, all right? This is not me and you. I'm, follow me as I follow Christ, right? We follow Paul as he followed Christ. We follow those as they follow Christ, but to approach Scripture 
As for what it says, and let's look at the full uh, text, but that's the way that as a kid at 10 years old. And then at 11 years old, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, one of the most powerful experiences as a child that I remember. It was so amazing. I can remember, I can still, I can still remember it. It's just that powerful. Well, through the process of life, you do a lot of water under the bridge. A lot of things happen in your world. I'd walked away from the church, walked away from everything, came back into the house here in Love and Truth and in a storefront in 2009. And in 2010, I'd recommitted my life in 2010. Many of you know this story, but for some that don't, in 2010, I, I, was, I was chugging along in the, the school zone, and then I went to a conference, and then I got rebaptized again in the Holy Spirit, and I felt like God took me and put me into the fast lane. People say, I don't, I don't go fast. That's fine. Go at your own speed, but that's where I went. <laughs> uh, that's, God knows my character. He knows my nature, and that's what I felt God put me into, and I began to pursue him like I'd never pursued him before. Many of you that remember me back when, all right? You know, it's like, man, I, I never saw this day. All right? Me neither, okay? But anyway, but when I encountered his presence and whenever I, I, I was baptized again in, in, the, in the Holy Spirit, um, it really set up a trajectory for my life that I would have never known myself to go. And so that was kind of my experience. But when I came back in, I didn't approach it from a denomination standpoint. I came to approach Scripture and say, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm, ser- I'm serious. This is the way that I prayed. Holy Spirit, as I read the Scripture and I'm looking into what it means to be saved, what it means to be water baptized, why do I believe the way that I do? Because sometimes we're told to believe things, but we don't research and study for ourselves to know why we do what we do, Right? Right? So I want to know why I'm doing this. So when I'm com- the, 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 what I'm coming to you as is someone that, first off, you're led under certain ones. You need people that you're submitted to and that you're serving that can speak truth into your life. But at the same time, you need somebody, whoever that is, that they, they're telling you, you listen to what I say, but you do your own research. You study to show yourself approved unto God. So that's how I'm bringing this message to you today on the power of Pentecost. And I'm just asking you, as I've already done, one more moment. Just let your walls drop. Let me speak to you about this. And when you hear Pentecost, don't freak out. All right? Pentecost, let me tell you how terrifying it is. All it simply means is 50. It's the Greek word 50. All right? It was the Feast of Weeks. Are you freaked out yet? Now, everybody's like, wait a second. When you say Pentecostal, that's a different story. All right? Uh, Listen, we do not handle snakes in this church. You're going to laugh, but we don't. Some people really think we do in the community. People think that we teach you how to speak tongue, speak in tongue. We don't do those things. That is a personal encounter between you and God. Now, the snakes are not. You pull out a snake. I said at first service because I was gigging, uh, gigging uh, uh, JB, but Terry Joe, I'm out. I'm gone. That's an inside joke, but I'm out. I ain't snakes. I don't, I don't play with those. And people are crazy. They do. But Pentecost is, what is it? Let's talk for just a moment while you're flipping to Genesis 11, all right? Go ahead and flip to Genesis. Don't put it up yet. Let it be a secret. Take it down real quick. There you go, Miss Sandra. All right. Pentecost, what is it exactly? And we just said it, is it was 50 days after Passover. All right? Jesus is crucified once for all and as you. He died for you, but he also died as you. Okay? To understand that, he got the reward you should have got, which is death. But Because of his sacrifice, the Passover lamb died once and for all. And so 50 days after, we step into what is called, the Jewish people know it as the Feast of Weeks, which is 50 days after. In Old Testament, it was the giving of the law. 
50 days after Passover was the giving of the law. And we understand what happened whenever Moses come down off the, off the mountain, 3,000 people died when he gave the law, right? But we see in the book of Acts, when the Spirit is given, because the Spirit gives, the letter, the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life, we see 3,000 in Acts 4 get added to the church. So we see 50 days after and this, this whole process. But Pentecost is simply 50 days after Passover. Jesus gives his life, and, and we see all that, and, 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 and he, he steps onto the scene. Now, understand this. Three days after he, we know this story, three days after he arises from the dead, and his disciples go into a room and lock the doors because they're scared for their lives. Now, let me ask you a question for those of you that believe, well, I, when I'm baptized in the Spirit, uh, that's when the Spirit comes, in, comes into me and I'm saved at that moment. Let me ask you, a qu- I'm asking you a series of questions because, again, I'm approaching this strictly from questions that I have read personally from Scripture. I believe you should question, not question the validity of the word, but for yourself. Why did this happen? What was this? Why have I been taught this? So these 12 disciples and the other ones around have followed him around for three and a half years, right? Three and a half years, Jesus dies on a cross. They're in a room, and they're broken. What are we going to do now? Thomas is not there. And just a side note, for those of you that believe Thomas was a doubter, I disagree with you. Because in John chapter 11, Thomas said, Lord, let us go down there and that we would just die. I mean, he was like, I'm, I'm all in. Thomas was broken because his Savior just died. And people say, well, no, he was a doubter. No, 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 no. Why would anybody want to give their life for something, right, if they didn't believe in it? But whenever they're in this upper room, let me ask you a question. Do you not think they're believers? I'm just asking, are they a believer? Now, if, it didn't, if they weren't believer to seeing him raise the dead, cast out devils, heal the sick, do all the miracles that he did, multiply the bread, and I don't think they were following him for that uh, because Peter says, to whom shall we go? You've got the words of eternal life. He knew, Peter knew him. Well, if that's not enough, three days later, the doors are locked, and he walks through the walls. Now, if you're not a believer, you're dead, all right? I'm just saying. And some of us, we still wouldn't believe because Thomas is like, I got to see his hands. I know you want to say he's doubter. He's broken. And he walks over, and he says, Thomas, my hands and my side, touch. And what does he say after that? Anybody know your scripture? My Lord and my God. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you not think they're believers at this point? I'm just asking a question. So for those that say, no, on Pentecost, they were saved. Prior to Pentecost, he raises from the dead. We're 40 days with Jesus. He's teaching, right? Read Acts 1. What is he teaching on? Things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And as he begins to depart, he's like, listen, the things that I did, I'm imparting to you. Go do it. But before you do all these things, before you go do the stuff, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. Yes, demons are real, and they're here. They're, I mean, they're here. There's a spiritual realm you don't see. Cleanse the lepers. All of those things. Preach the good news of what I've preached. He says, you go wait in Jerusalem until you're endued. You can't leave Jerusalem until you receive. There's something that's coming. I get it. You believe. Now you believe. On that 40th day, Jesus stands and ascends, and the apostles were 10 days out from the outpouring, okay? 40 days, he ascends. The 40th day, he ascends. 10 days, they go into an upper room, and they wait. Now, people say, wait a second. Were they continuously up there? No, they were continually there, which means that they would come and go, all right? But on that 10th day, 
when the day of Pentecost had fully come, we see a change. But Jesus told them, he said, do not leave Jerusalem until you're endued with power on high. But you, why? What's the purpose of this, all right? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit, does that say come in you? I'm just asking, what does it say? When the Holy Spirit comes on you, Jesus is in you for your salvation. But he comes on me. I don't know. I know this is second service. We may not have any amen people in the house, but, but it says for what purpose? What's, read it on. And you will be my what? Witnesses. The baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire is not for you to have an encounter and, and, and speak in tongues and roll on the floor. The baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire is for you specifically to become an empowered witness that Jesus said, do not leave Jerusalem until you get it. Now, what if they would have left and didn't get it? I'm just asking. Think about that. That's how I read scripture. I'm like, man, what is that? What if somebody, I'm sure there was somebody that missed it and came in. Oh, my goodness, I missed outpouring. But wait, there was more, <laughs> Right? So let's, now let's look, before we go to Genesis 11, I want to read one more scripture to you because what is Pentecost? That's Pentecost, what's happened? Now what happened at Pentecost? What happened there at Pentecost in that upper room? Well, before we get into that, let's read Zephaniah. Let's go Old Testament and let's let Zephaniah prophesy of the Messiah that was to come. For then I, who is I? Jesus is going to restore He's going to restore to the peoples. You can translate peoples as nations, all right? A pure language. You with me? That, all, uh, that they all may call on the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord, all right? Hold on to that. We'll get to that in just a moment. With one accord. Let me ask you a question before I read a little bit further. Before we have the Tower of Babel, we're about to read Genesis 11, before the Tower of Babel, many of you, maybe you don't understand that. We're going to read it in just a moment. Before the Tower of Babel, what language did the world speak? Nobody knows. It wasn't Hebrew because Genesis 12, Abram steps onto the scene and we have the forming of the Jewish nation. So Genesis 11, let's go right here. Genesis chapter 11. If you got your Bibles, open them up. Let's read it. it says, verse 1 says, now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. That word Shinar is the word Babylonia. Now, when you hear uh, Tower of Babel, that word Babel just simply means confused. So Babylonia is, is a city of confusion. That's why scripture talks so highly or talks so bad against it. I mean, that was where we were in bondage or the, the Jewish people were in bondage. All right, let me keep moving. It said... They said to one another, come let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone and tar instead of mortar. They said to one another, come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Now let me stop right there for just a moment. What is their downfall in this moment? Let us make a name for ourselves. Pride. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. All right? It's the pride of people. And it goes on, otherwise we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. So they had a, a revelation of something about that. And it says, but the Lord came down to see the city. All right, when was the last time that the Lord came down that we read in New Testament? The book of Acts. 
Then suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. And, and it divided unto them cloven tongues of fire that set up on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. He came down in this moment. So what Zephaniah is prophesying is that, I'm, I'm going to read some more. But what Zephaniah is prophesying about the Messiah who was the baptizer in the Holy Spirit and with fire, that he's going to restore to them, uh, the peoples, the nations, a pure language. He's going to give it back to them. I'm not saying this is what they did back in, that, back in that time, but I'm telling you, tracking Scripture, this is where Pentecost reversed the curse prior to Babylon. Are you with me? Or prior to Genesis chapter 11. You with me? You tracking? He goes on to say, and, and listen what God says in verse 6. The Lord said, if as one people speak in the same language, check this out. They have begun to do this, then nothing, nothing, nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Nothing. Acts chapter 2. They're baptized in the Holy Spirit, but what, for, what, for what purpose? For witnesses, but what did it say about them? It said that they were in one mind and one accord. And guess what was outside their room? Nations of people. So we see a fulfillment of Zephaniah 3 and 8. Do we not? So at Pentecost, what happened was what happened at, at Babel when God came down and confused the languages so that they couldn't build it and pry it up to heaven, he restored and brought back something at Pentecost. Are you with me? Are you just soaking it in? Are you trying to grasp it or is it too much? I hope it's not. Let me tell a joke. No, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. There's some good ones in here, I'm sure. But anyway... So that's what we see in this moment. And it says that nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. So in that moment is where we have Babel, confusion. Their, their, their languages are confused in this moment. All right, let me track a little bit more. So in Acts chapter 2, again, the scripture says when the day of Pentecost had fully come. So in other words, when it was fulfilled, because God knows what he's doing in this whole process. 50 days after Passover, we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Suddenly, the, a sound like the blowing of violent wind came from heaven, filled the house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that set upon each of them, separated. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation. Every nation. Uh, oh, I guess I need to read it from here. Sorry. Can you move it? There it is. There we go. All right, finish it. So there's nations around this, and they begin to hear. Now, here's the thing that some people say. Well, they, they were speaking somebody else's language. I, I get what you're saying. I understand. But here's my thought to this. What is it about, if I go, you've heard me say this before. If I go to another nation, and I hear somebody speaking English, I, I'm not, that doesn't attract me. There was something supernatural to what they were speaking that began to draw and, and people begin to flock to. So there's a supernatural occurrence to this, right? It's not something that's of the flesh discerned. That's where a lot of people struggle with. Like, no, wait, that's, this is, you know, the evidence of the speaking in tongues and baptism. That's, that's now, Pastor AJ, you, that, that's, I don't understand that. Well, here's the problem. So many people say, well, I don't understand, so I'm, I'm, I'm closing it out. Does God fit in your head? Does God fit in your head? No, he shouldn't. If he does, then he ceases to be God. One thing that I've learned about him is the longer that I walk in this journey, the more that I get to know him intimately, the more that I love him, but the more and less that I truly understand, right? I realize how vast and how big that he is. So it's not of my flesh that I can discern this. Here's you a scripture. Hebrews 11 says, by faith we understand. 
It doesn't say I understand by faith, does it? It starts off by faith. We understand that he formed the worlds. We believe in Jesus, but yet we've never seen him. Right? So he's a supernatural God. You've been created naturally to be supernatural. Why? Well, I don't believe in that, but I'll go watch all of these shows that have all this all of this magic and all, I'll tune into that now. I can say, hey, I love that fantasy stuff. This is something that's real. The spiritual realm is real. The baptism, the moving, the signs, wonders, and miracles, these are not just uh, accounts that we can read and celebrate historical context. This is something that's available for us now, right? So what happened at Pentecost, I hope I, can, I, hope I portrayed it to you in the right way so you can see that. Pentecost happened 2,000 years ago, right? So here's my next question. Is it for me? Now, I get it. I'm raised in it, but let me put that aside. God, is this for me? Is, is the baptism that I read about, is it for, well, now, Pastor AJ, it's for the apostles, and it's for some of those crazy charismatics, and it's some of those crazy Pentecostal people that do all that, but it's, it's just not for me. I, I like to be able to control everything that I have in front of me, right? I'm comfortable. Oh, man, I'm good. I'm good where I'm at. I'm not, listen, I do not want to push you into this. I just want to portray something to you of why, why if, if I could be baptized in the Holy Spirit and God put something on my life because it's in me for me, but it's on me for others to see my family saved, to see my marriage restored, to see things begin to break loose. Because Jude said, beloved, uh, I, I wish, he talked, he talked about being, uh, speaking and he talked about praying in the Holy Spirit. He said, in building yourself up in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. It builds up most holy faith. Why would you not want to have most holy faith, right? So is it for me? Well, it was for them, but I don't know that it's for me. All right, let's, let's go a little bit further. Um, Pentecost happened 2000, over 2,000 years ago, and many people think that it was just a one-time event. Well, it just happened that one time. No, no. Jesus' death, the Passover lamb, was a one-time event. He doesn't need to die again. It's over, right? He died once for all, for you, as you. It's fulfilled. The blood of, his blood has been put on, on the Ark of the Covenant in heaven, on that mercy seat. It's, it's been applied there. So we're in the age of grace right now, Right? It's been done. He doesn't need to die again. But past, or Pentecost was something that even after the event, they're filled again in Acts chapter 4. Others are filled throughout the Spirit. Paul tells us to continually be filled with the Spirit. Don't stop. It's supposed to be something that happens because guess what? You leak. I got, maybe I shouldn't have said that. You understand what I'm saying. Everybody else that's asleep, you just missed it. Um, I'll forgive you. So... Pentecost happened over 2,000 years ago. It's not a one-time event. That, it's not a one-time event. It's, it's supposed to continue. Pentecost is the birthing of the church. On the day of Pentecost, the church is born. Okay? And it's an invitation for you to come into a greater relationship with Jesus. After this outpouring in Acts chapter 2, now we're tracking through the book of Acts. All right, I'm giving you scripture for those of you that say, is it really for me today? All right, let me, let me, let me give you some stuff. After the outpouring in the book of Acts chapter 2, before you put that verse up, let me, let me give them something first. We see people from all the nations, they're hearing all of this stuff that's taking place, all the chaos. And some of the words are, they're perplexed, they're astonished. 
Some of them are confused because they don't understand what's going on in the moment. Some of them are saying they're drunk, and they're like, no, it's just, it's 9 o'clock in the morning, but if you've been watching the Johnny Depp try be like, no, hey, isn't every hour happy hour? You know what I mean? So it's like, no. Peter's like, they're not drunk as you suppose. He said, this is that. I love that phrase. This is that. What is that? That what was spoken of with the prophet Joel. That on the last, in the last days that he's going to pour his spirit out upon all flesh. All. Not a few. Not for the elect. Not for the 12 in the upper room and the 120. And even as Derek Prince says, the 135. Whatever, however, it's not just for them. It's a step beyond that. It's for the rest of the world. So Peter stands up and he delivers this word. The one that rejected him three times that he even knew him because he knew he was going to die as well. He stands up and with boldness because that's what the Holy Ghost will do to you. Is he'll put boldness on your life. And you'll speak words of truth in love. Love is always, listen, let me, can I? tidbit love is always kind but love is not always nice all right i'll move on he stands up and delivers a word the inaugur- the inauguration of the church this inaugural word and he begins to preach to them and the scripture says it's so convicting that the people begin to say hey wait a second tell us what we must do to be saved they're pricked in their heart as the scripture says i'm a conviction and so Peter then gives him Acts 2.38. He says, he says, do you need to repent first? Right? There's a lot of people that claim to repent and be saved, but yet their lifestyle never changes. Come on now. Right? When I come to Jesus and he enters my heart, there's some things that's got to go. He's either going to kick them over and kick the throne, whoever's enthroned upon my heart off, or he's not staying. He's either Lord of all or not Lord at all. That's between you and him. Right? So he enters the heart of the people. Repent. That means change about face from the way that you've been going. Change your actions. Change your attitude. Turn away from those things and follow him. Repent. And he goes on to say, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. So people say, do I need to be baptized? I don't know. Peter just, first off, Jesus was, and there ain't nobody in this house this G is as good as Jesus, so you need to go into the waters of baptism. What does baptism do for me? Can I tell you for just a moment what it did for me is it gave me an authority upon my life that whenever stuff begins to shake around me and be sure that it will, that I won't be shaken. I may get shook from time to time, but I will not be shaken, and I have an authority to use the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I can stand in a moment whenever my daughter's in the hospital and say, sickness, you have no authority, and I claim victory and the name of Jesus over you. When I go into that water, I'm buried as him. When I rise up out of the water, I'm in union and intimacy with him. And I have authority upon my life. Exusia, authority to speak. And demons have to listen and they have to flee. So baptism is about covenant. It's about union. It's about intimacy. It's not just an act that we can celebrate and clap our hands. It's more than that. Demons take notice when you go into the water of baptism. They take notice when you begin to pray and cultivate that lifestyle of repentance and watching what you let into your heart and listen to and what you see. I'm just telling you. I didn't mean to go there. I didn't preach at first service, but that's for somebody. Repent, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he said you shall receive. In other words, you become a candidate to receive. I remember on a Sunday morning in 2018, we had... uh, uh, we were praying for people to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And there was a young man that was here, and uh, he was 17 years old. He was saved. He came up to, to be filled, and um, <clears throat> I began to pray with him. And, man, it was just like, it was on him like a fire. And he's not from, he, he, is, he is not from this back. He's from a very conservative background. 
But it hit him, and he began to weep. Tears kept flowing, and he began to speak in tongues. And then after he was finished, I was talking to him, uh, or I, just right there uh, after we prayed over him, and I asked him, I said, I said, have you ever been water baptized? No, never been water baptized. So, we bat- so people say, well, do I have to repent first uh, and get saved? First off, you do have to be saved. It's first, number one. And they say, well, do I need baptism next and then Holy Spirit baptism? At that point, once you're saved, that didn't happen that way. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we baptized him in water right after that. So if people ask that question, it can be either, either or, all right? So, but Peter says, we're asking the question, is it for me today? Acts 2.39, he says, there it is. The promise is for you, your children, and for who? So that covers everybody in this room. For all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Is God still calling people? Right? He's still calling us. He's still speaking to us on a daily basis. I don't understand that. That's why God doesn't fit in my brain because I'm always like, how do you speak to every one of these people and tell us at different times, you never sleep, you never slumber, your arm's not too short that you can't save? Lord, how do you do? He's God, all right? That's where the fear of the Lord kicks in. You're like, oh, my goodness. He's big. He's awesome, right? It cultivates a heart of worship towards him. All right. Anyway, keep rolling. So if Peter says it's for all of us, some of us might think, please don't, I don't put it up yet. Some of us might think here in this moment that, well, I get what you're saying, but Pastor AJ, you're still going to have to convince me because I believe that salvation happens whenever we, we talk about Holy Spirit, when the Spirit comes in. Tongues is not for everybody. That's not for everybody. Well, let me give you some accounts. And let's read this together, okay? So in Acts chapter 8, let me give this to you. Acts chapter 8, you got your Bible so you can turn to it so I can turn to it too. Acts chapter 8, I love this story because it really paints a lot, it covers a lot of stuff. Philip is down in Samaria and he's preaching and revival breaks out. Mighty wonders, miracles, and signs begin to take place. And all he's doing is he's preaching on the gospel of the kingdom. The scripture says right here in verse 12, uh, let me find it. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed, when they did what? When they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. And, and it goes on to talk about again. I encourage you to read this because you can still be saved, filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, water baptized, but still have a root of bitterness in your heart that can affect you if you're not careful. It will affect you. It's not careful. You read that. That's a powerful uh, part of that story. And it goes on to verse 14. It says here, it says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had what? Accepted. Let me ask you a question. When you get saved, what do you do? What do we say? You accept, you receive into your life the finished work of what Jesus did on the cross for your salvation. The blood in that moment is applied to my life, right? At that moment, I'm saved, right? Repentance, godly sorrow works repentance. Repentance is unto salvation, all right? Then it goes on, and it says, when, the, when they heard about it, they received it. On their arrival, they prayed for them to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, check out this next section. For the Holy Spirit had what? had not yet fallen upon any of them. They have been saved, they have been water baptized, but the Spirit of God had not yet to fall upon them. So Jesus is in them because they believe in the Word, right? 
but he's yet to come up upon them. And he goes on to say, they had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. In verse 17, it says, then Peter and John laid their hands upon them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And people say, wait a second, there's no tongues present in this section. Well, Simon the sorcerer is watching and observing and he looks and he sees and he says, wait a second, there's something happening. When they lay hands upon them, there is a manifestation that's taking place. Now, for them to lift their hands and weep, could he tell, well, maybe that's the gift. I don't know. We don't see. No, there was a supernatural sign that began to manifest that made Simon say, hey, I want to purchase this, right? Go back and read that account. Read this, though, with an open heart. I'm challenging everybody in the room. I don't care how long you've been a part of this or you haven't experienced this before in your life. Read it for yourself and let Holy Spirit speak to you. All right, one more. Acts chapter 10. Actually, two more. Acts chapter 10. Many of you have heard the story of Cornelius. This is a power that was given to us over 2,000 years ago on this day, so to speak. All right? Acts chapter 10, Cornelius. This is great for all the Gentiles in the room, all right? All of us that are not Jews. Are you still tracking with me? Get enough coffee this morning? Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, a Gentile, like you and I. I don't know if there's any Jews in the room, but he's a Gentile. He is going after God. The scripture said he fasts. He's, he's seeking God. He gives all of these things that are prerequisites for, an, prerequisite for an angelic visitation into his house. That's what it says. Angel visits him. God has honored you, Cornelius. Peter is upon a, a roof on the same portion of the day, and he gets a vision. Oh, God's only called to the Jewish people. God's only, this baptism is only for the Jewish people, and he shows him a vision. Peter, go to that which you consider to be unclean. So Peter fights for a while. It takes three times because he's hard-headed, just like some of us in the room. He goes to the house. Walks in, begins to have the conversation with them. They, he starts preaching. While he's preaching, the scripture says the Spirit of God descended upon the house of Cornelius. They are baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they begin to speak in tongues. All right, there's you another account. Acts chapter 19. So you see, now that's awesome for us, uh, love and true Savannah, because, I, again, that's when the Spirit of God was poured out on the Gentiles. All right? Acts chapter 19. This is 24 years after Pentecost. Paul has been wrecked by the Lord. His life is turned upside right or whatever you want to call it. And so he is going around. He's got churches. And he's hitting his circuit and he comes to Ephesus. And Apollos has been there. Now, for those of you that may not know who Apollos is, uh, he is a very intelligent uh, mind of that day very in some I, some of the school of thoughts that I've read said that he was even more intelligent than Paul uh, because he was very uh, he waxed very eloquent in speech could preach very well and some even think that he wrote the book of Hebrews just a side note don't we don't know who that was but just to let you know anyway and so Apollos is there at Corinth but Paul comes to uh, Ephesus and he begins to uh, ask him a question he said to him, he said, uh, he found some disciples there in verse 2, or verse 1. Said he found some disciples there. So they're believers, right? We assume they believe in who Jesus is. And he said, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe him? And they say, well, I received it when, at belief in that moment. Now, that's, that word when is actually could be translated after. Did you receive the Holy Spirit after you believed? All right? And they tell him, they say, no, we've never even heard there be a, such a thing as the Holy Spirit. We don't even know what you're talking about. 
And he said, so what baptism were you baptized into? And they said, John, John the Baptist. And he goes on to say, he said, well, John baptized under repentance, uh, but he testified of one that was to come that whose sandal strap he wasn't even worthy to loosen. And he said, he's the one that's supposed to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. And it says that they said, uh, Paul said to them, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And verse 6, when Paul placed his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began to speak with other tongues. And they prophesied. So we see another manifestation. Yet believers, but yet to have received the Holy Spirit. You with me? So do you see the accounts? Worship team, if you would, come. Do you see the accounts? Here's, I didn't say this at the beginning of my message. I did it first service. Why? Why would God give us something? Why would he give them something in a world in chaos, in a world in turmoil? Because the Roman government was brutal. I mean, they fed Christians to lions in their empire games. Why would we believe that God would give such a precious gift to the church on the birth, on its birth, and then retract it at the last apostle. Well, Pastor AJ, where's my interpreter? Some of you thought I was going to slide out with not even confronting it. Can I tell you what I've read, what I've studied, and what the Holy Spirit's released to me? When we read in the book of Corinthians, we see a church that is very charismatic. They're very zealous. I mean, they're, they're steeped in some sin because, again, they have the influence of the Roman culture, but they're also very charismatic and bold and going after broke. They are. The gifts of the Spirit, Paul begins to talk about. That's where we get the gifts of the Spirit. The nine power gifts that all the Pentecostals are running the aisles for, right? But let's look at it scripturally. Paul begins to talk to them and says, look, uh, in this big massive meeting, you've got seven different people giving uh, tongues and interpretation of tongues. Now, I'm not forbidding you to speak in tongues. He said, that's, that's between, again, Paul talked about it specifically. That's, he did it all the time. He said, but what I'm telling you is that that specific gift, one of the nine, has to be done in order. So if we're in a large setting and we have three over here that stand up and begin to give a word in tongues... Where everything is, let me ask, anybody ever experienced that? Seen it in a service? Many of you have been here, you've experienced it, right? The order of that is, is if, again, I've never experienced it while I've been preaching because I feel like when the word of God is going forth, that's the word of God. I'm not saying God can't do that, but that's not the context for that, right? I've sensed when I know it's right. I'm telling you, I sense it in my spirit that there's a quiet that comes over the room. I've even been in services where there were babies that were kind of crying. I don't mean that bad. You go and take care of it. Bless that baby. But in the context of that service where there's a holy hush that comes over the room and the babies stop. They do. I'm telling you. And it literally in that moment, there is just this holy hush that comes. And then I sense, hey, if anybody, because it's a gift given by the Holy Spirit, have a tongue. You can stand up at this time and give it. When that goes forth, the scripture says, out of the mouth of two to three witnesses, let every word be established. We don't judge the person, we judge the word. That's the difference in Old Testament and New Testament. Okay? So we judge the word, that it, the, what comes forth. That's, that's it. 
And so when the word goes forth, God gives the interpretation to two to three. And then for those that have that gift, they can begin to interpret the word. Now people say, well, but wait. He said, don't, you know, I, don't, you know, let, where's the interpret? When he's talking about the, listen, they're in the upper room, people. There's 120 people that get baptized. and Everybody's speaking in tongues. Where's your interpret? Well, they heard them outside. Yeah, but in the order according to Paul, where's the one that would stand up and say, this is what God is saying? So there's the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is the initial evidence that is through tongues because three out of the five times in the book of Acts, there's a manifestation of tongues, right? Initially, tongues are present. Then we have Paul setting order in the nine gifts. That's the only time we know about it. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, tongues and interpretation of tongues. So it's don't forbid, do it in order. People say, well, again, so in, the, in this moment, when we do a call for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're going to be doing worship. I'm going to give you a time to worship. Some of you need to be refilled again because it's been a long time, right? But this morning, I felt this. I don't know, again, just on the Spirit of the Lord, I don't know if it was for someone specifically, but I really felt this that somebody said, I was just feeling in my spirit, if it gets my family saved, I'll go for it. And what, I, and what I, I, in my mind is to think, when you receive it, 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 you get more than what you think you receive. It is such a joyful experience. I told our first service, and I don't, I don't say I'm sorry for saying this, I would be a thief and a robber if I didn't tell you about it. I would. I don't care. I'd be a thief and a robber. Because I know what it's done for me in my life. It's not the end all, but it's to empower me as a witness. To speak boldness, to speak courage, to pray over people. When I don't know what to pray, Paul says the spirit groans and moans inside of me and prays things that I don't even know it's spiritually discerned. So I'll pray in the Holy Spirit. How many of you have ever been in that place? Recently, I'm telling you. Once you stand to your feet. We're going to worship for just a few moments. We have a baptism here in just a few moments as well. We're going to worship a while. And for those of you, I would encourage you. We always say this, but it's fullness. How many of us in this room truly desires to have all that God has for you? Anybody in the house? You want everything that God's got for you. And I heard a father in my life said it so many times as we would sit down to have meetings and he looked at me and he said I don't want to leave anything on the table he didn't but I remember him talking we talked back and forth about the baptism in the Holy Spirit and what, what God has done in our lives but he just would look me in the eye and I can see him right now with tears in his face Pastor AJ I don't want to leave anything on this table I don't want to leave anything on the table whatever God has got for me I want it full I wanted him full. And what is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? It's fullness. There is a fullness you receive. I can't explain it. You fill the cup to the brim. How do you know that it's truly full? How, how do you truly know that it's been baptized? Except for you take that cup, you walk it over to a tank, and you drop it into the tank. Then it's been immersed. That's spirit baptism. You may have God's spirit in you, but he wants to immerse you with his spirit today care if you've never and it's really quick how do I receive it how do I receive it first thing is you got to be saved if you're not saved you start right there 
You repent of your sins. Jesus, I'm sorry. I need you to come into my life. I need you to fill my life. He comes in. And then, you re- it's, a, it's simple. It's not something we have to strive for. My daughter is two years old. Many of you have got some young ones, but she, <laughs> she is really ch- jabbering now. And so it's, it's not, she can't talk in a full sense, but when you first get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you may only have a few syllables. We're not teaching you how to speak in tongues. That's not what we do here. But it's, again, it's, it's to you. It's given to you. How many of you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Look in the room. Look across the room. People that have been. And most of you have your own prayer language that you pray in the Holy Spirit, right? I've heard you. We pray in the altars before. So there is an overflow that comes, and it's a prayer language for you. It's yours, distinct between you and God. It's not false. It's not of the devil. Why would God give it and then pull it back? It's not from him. It hasn't been, it hasn't been hijacked, but it's to help you walk this life out. So if you would, right now, I want you to just lift your hands to the Lord.